All right. Thank you very much. Excellent song. I love that song. Oh, come let us adore him. And I hope you will this Christmas season. Would you take your Bibles with me and go to the book of Acts, please? Book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Let's begin this morning with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to be here this morning. And Father, in the hustle and bustle of life that uh, goes on, Father, I pray that you would right now draw us in, help us to push aside any distractions, push aside anything that might be going on in our lives, and Father, just help us to focus in on what your word has to say to us today. Father, I pray that it would be your word that speaks, and not my mouth, but Father, that your will would be accomplished here today, and I pray that you would help us to all leave here different than when we came. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if I were a motivational speaker or a life coach, I would try to get you to narrow your life's goal down to one statement. I would try to get you to focus in on one goal of your life. Narrow it all down to one simple statement. A statement that everything in your life gets filtered through. A statement that governs all of your decisions. A motto, if you will. Here are a few that a people, several people have adopted over the years. Hey, you only live once. YOLO, right? You guys all knew that meant YOLO, right? That was a good, no, all of you have like no idea. Okay, YOLO, if you hear that term, Y-O-L-O, you only live once, okay? Everybody's like, oh, okay, you guys are going to have to loosen up a little this morning already, okay? Here's another one. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade, okay? Live every day like it's your last. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. I think that's a pretty good one. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Take small steps every day. How about this one? Don't sweat the small stuff. I wish that was the case. What about this one? Will this matter a year from now? Eat healthy, sleep well, breathe deeply, enjoy life. Sometimes you win, sometimes you, no, it's not lose, it's learn. Sometimes you learn. Work hard, play harder. Be who you needed when you were younger. All these are just statements, models, things people live by, mantras that, that they put on their lives, and everything is filtered or governed by this statement. No matter what your motto or what's your creed, we all have something that we have to filter the decisions of our lives. And the Apostle Paul was no different. He was no exception to this rule. All of us have this, and the Apostle Paul did as well. You'll remember last week we talked about the riot that went on in, in the city of Ephesus. 
They were crying out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. For over two hours, they just kept shouting out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. In Acts chapter 20, the next chapter, the uproar ceases. The riot in Ephesus is done. And Paul and several of his companions, what do they do? They begin to travel again. They begin to go from city to city to city to city. And they're sailing here, there, and everywhere. And so this is really what the first part of Acts chapter 20 truthfully all is. And there's a few stories. We talk about Eutychus in there, the guy that fell out of the window when Paul was preaching all night. Man, let's get back to that, shall we? Anybody volunteering to sit through all night preaching? There's not one spiritual person in this whole room. Oh, boy. Let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 20. Look with me in verse 16. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. Verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So again, I want you just to picture this, if you will. So he's traveling from city to city to city to city to city all over the place. Spends a great deal of time traveling. And he's trying to get back to the city of Ephesus. But he was in a rush. He was in a rush because he wanted to get back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. Again, Right now, we don't need to understand why he wants to get there. All we need to know is he's in a rush. He's trying to get back. And so instead of going all the way to Ephesus, he lands in Miletus. And Miletus is just south of Ephesus. He lands in Miletus, and he calls for the elders of the church at Ephesus and says, guys, meet me in Miletus. i got to talk to you. i got to spend some time with you. I've got to give you something. Miletus, again, is just south of Ephesus, but Paul calls the elders of the church of Ephesus to come and meet with him one last time. One last time. Here, written in Acts chapter 20, we get the opportunity to see what Paul says to the Ephesian elders in his one last address to them. Acts chapter 20, look with me in verse 18. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came unto Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And he says, so I want you to get this. He says, you guys are coming and you know what I'm like. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. I've been with you for a matter of seasons. And so Paul, in a sense, is challenging the Ephesian elders to just examine his life. Guys, you know. Tell me if this isn't true. You know where I'm at. His life was, if you will, the validation of what he had proclaimed with his lips. Just stop right there. His life was a validation of what he had proclaimed with his lips. Can I encourage you? Is that your life? If you were to call the people of this church and sit down and say to them, you know what I'm like. Is that true? Most of us know what we say and most of us could tell what other people have said. But do we know what we, they are like? A life that matches one's lips is another way to describe integrity. Integrity. 
Paul truly is putting himself either up for failure or he's a man of true integrity. It is believed that Paul was in Ephesus for two years. And so Paul had no problem making his life a spectacle to the Ephesian elders. He was an open book, if you will. He says, you've seen how I've acted here. I've been here for two years. You can see what I've done and you've been with me and you've seen who I am. So he had spent some time with these men and in his last address to them, he was leaving a legacy with them. By the way, every single one of us has a legacy that we will leave behind. No exception. Every single one of us has a legacy that we will leave behind, though we will probably be in a place for longer than two years. We will all leave something behind. We will all leave a trail behind us. Let's take a moment, if you will, and let's look at Paul's trail. Let's look at what he's leaving behind, and again, let this be a goal for you. Verse 19. Notice he says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. I want you to notice the very first words that he says in verse 19. He says, serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. This was his main priority. He starts with this. By the way, what you start with when you're talking is usually what you care about the most. You order things because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speak it. And so Paul here very clearly says, listen, this is my number one priority. My number one priority is to serve the Lord. Paul had given his life to serving the Lord. Ever since his conversion in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, Paul had served his Savior without retreat. And because he served the Lord, this was his main goal, because he served the Lord, look at what it produced. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, it produced, number one, humility. Very simply. Serving produces humility. Serving produces humility. Why? Because service is not about what I want. Service is about what I can give to other people. Service is in honor preferring one another. It's not about what I want as a servant. It's about what my master wants. And Paul knew very well who his master was. Serving the Lord. Man, you ever get frustrated with people? Anybody or is that just me? Sometimes we get frustrated with people. Sometimes we get upset with people, and so sometimes we think, oh, I'm serving people. Spend any time in retail, you'll know that, man, sometimes you really don't want the customer to be correct. But listen, God is always right. God is always right. God is always good. God always has our best interest. So listen, Paul's not saying I'm serving people. He says I'm serving the Lord. That's my main priority. And in doing so, I'm humble. I have humility of mind. Even Jesus himself said this, For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus and Paul both had their priorities in check. And it created in them a humble mind. 
Even Jesus says, I am meek and lowly in heart. It produces humility. Number two, which this one we won't like either. Number two, it produces tears. Notice with me in the verse, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Paul shed many a tear for the people whom God had sent him to. You see, there were often times of such joy and rejoicing in the service of the Lord. There is so much wonder and excitement in the service of the Lord. And you experience that and you enjoy it and you love it. And when you're trying to passionately help people see that, and they reject it, it breaks your heart. It's like, man, how could you not want this? How could you not want to receive this? And so he was passionate. He was emotional about his relationship with Jesus Christ. And he was passionate and he was emotional about helping other people have that same relationship. And it's often been asked from preachers, when was the last time you cried for somebody? Cried that they were not going in the right direction or cried that they had not yet known Jesus Christ. And listen, I'm not trying to say you force tears. I'm just saying when you passionately serve the Lord, it will produce an emotional tie that sometimes you just can't explain. I don't know why tears just keep coming. It produces humility. Number two, it produces tears. Number three, it produces, again, we don't like this one, temptations. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations. What were the temptations that Paul would have faced? Well, notice these temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. What were the temptations? I guarantee you there was a temptation to quit. I guarantee it. I guarantee there was a temptation to lash out against the people who were being rude and mean and persecuting him. I guarantee there were temptations to do something different. Hey, I didn't have this much trouble when I was persecuting the Christians. I didn't have this much trouble in tent making. I could absolutely do something different. You see, sometimes as preachers, many people will praise us or say, good job for not falling into open sin. Hey, good job for not cheating on your wife, or good job for not killing somebody, because Lord knows sometimes you want to. Good job. But what you don't maybe see is the temptations that we have, and maybe you have as well, to do something different. The temptations to just quit and give up. The temptations to say, listen, I could do anything else. There are temptations. Trials, persecutions, if you will. And he faced all of these by the hands of the Jews, by God's people. <laughs> Happens. Listen, God's people are some of the people that hurt you the most, aren't they? And listen, there's temptations to quit. There's temptations to throw in the towel. There's temptations to be like, forget it. I'm done. Can't do this anymore. He said all of these things came from serving the Lord. It just seemed like Paul couldn't catch a break. Most of us, if we're honest, we want to avoid these temptations, don't we? 
We want to avoid these trials. We want to avoid these persecutions. But I want you to consider what Spurgeon says about this. It's quite lengthy, so try to listen. He says this. I'm afraid that all the grace that I have gotten out of my comfortable and easy and happy hours might almost lie on a penny. But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. What do I not owe to the crucible and the furnace, the bellows that have blown up the coals and the hand which has thrust me into the heat? I bear my witness that the worst days I have ever had have turned out to be my best days. I can bear my personal testimony that the best piece of furniture that I have ever had in the house was a cross. I do not mean a material cross. I mean the cross of affliction and trouble. In shunning a trial, we are seeking to avoid a blessing. Wow. That's incredible. Not only do we see that serving the Lord produced humility, not only do we see that serving the Lord produced tears and temptation, but it also produced a desire for number four, eternal investment. Notice verse 20. It says this, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. He had an investment in leaders. Paul invested everything he could into the Ephesian leaders. He kept back nothing that would benefit them. He taught them at every opportunity he had. Listen, when you are a servant of Jesus Christ, you try to find every opportunity you can to invest in someone else. Why? In case you haven't noticed this, the kingdom of God does not stop with me. Does that make sense to you? Listen to me. I mean this with all sincerity. If I die or if I quit or if I fall into sin, listen, Bible Baptist Church should not cease because I cease. It ought to go on. Listen, this is an eternal investment. Eternal investment. And so he's like, I've given you everything I could possibly give you. But not only did he invest into the leaders, he invested, number two, into the kingdom of God. Look at verse 21. Says testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. What? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so listen, I just tried to tell people the kingdom of God. I just tried to preach to them the kingdom of God. He told everyone, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He told everybody. Testifying to both Jews and Greeks. Paul told Jews, Paul told Gentiles, Paul told anybody he could. You must repent and turn to Jesus Christ. Pretty clearly, Paul had an incredible life. And these Ephesian elders were witness to it. Paul knew that this might be his last time to ever see or address these men in person. So Paul wants to impart some last wisdom to them before he goes, notice verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Saved, 
that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Paul didn't know what specifically was ahead of him. But this he did know. That the Holy Spirit had told him that bonds and afflictions abide him. He knew that he was going to be spending some time in bonds in prison. And he knew that he was going to be spending some time being afflicted for the work that he was called to do. Now, let me ask this question. How appealing have I made the service of the Lord this morning? Anybody signing up real quick? Ah, serving the Lord, you have to be humble. You're going to shed a lot of tears. There's going to be a lot of temptations to quit and throw in the towel and you're going to tell everybody you can and you'll still be persecuted. And you don't know exactly what the future holds, but you, you're pretty sure that you're going to end up in jail and go through a lot of affliction. Woohoo! I'm so excited. After saying all of that and laying all of that groundwork as an introduction we finally get down to Paul's motto, his life statement. And truly the lesson that he wants to teach the Ephesian elders, and truthfully the lesson for you and I, who are here today. Look at verse 24. He says, after all this, he says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. You're in the habit of highlighting things in your Bible, writing things down. I want you to highlight or write that phrase down. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. You say, Pastor Jones, you're still not making a very good case. Hear me out. Paul is simply saying nothing phases me anymore. I am unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord. I am not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine anymore. I am locked in. I am anchored down in Jesus Christ. And nothing, nothing, nothing is going to get me to move off course. None of these things move me. Now, let's be honest. Most of us admire this part of the verse. None of these things move me. Most of us wish we were this locked in on our motto or our, our life statement. Most of us wish we had this kind of resolve in some area of our life. I don't want to be moved on this. I just want to be solid. But hear me, please, please hear me well. You do not, you do not get this type of determination and focus without the next phrase. Don't miss it. You do not get, but none of these things move me without saying, neither count I my life dear unto myself. You don't. You can try. You can put work in. You can hurt yourself. You can do as much as you want. But until you say, neither count I my life dear unto myself, we will never get to the point where we say none of these things move me. I want to try and illustrate this for you this morning. 
I saw this illustration given by a man by the name of Francis Chan, and I thought it was so good that I have to use it. I want you to picture this rope, and this rope is quite long. It goes all the way back to where Ed Stewart's sitting, all the way around the outside. Okay? I want you to picture this rope as eternity. Okay? It goes on. Picture this rope. It goes on for eternity. Now, it is a long rope, but it's not an eternal rope. A picture, it goes on and on and on for eternity. It's, it's forever. Continues to keep going without end. Okay? Now, this is your life. In comparison to eternity. And you know what's crazy? You and I live our lives for that. We got all of this to think about, and we live our lives for that. In fact, if we're honest, most of us go through trial and tribulation for all, like through all of this so that we can live this part real happy. I just want to work really hard so I can get to this part of my life and be happy. I want to retire comfortably. So now we're down to like this much. But we've got all of this to think about. We've got all of these eternal things to think about. It just goes on forever and we're worried about this much. We spend our time, we spend our effort, we spend everything on this much. We spend our time making money for this much. We spend our time working out. And listen, I'm not against any of these things, so don't get me wrong. We spend our time working out so that when we get old, we'll be able to bend down and pick up a quarter off the tarmac. Most of us live like this is the only thing that matters. If we're honest with ourselves this morning, we count our lives very dear. We don't, anybody want to die? None of us want to die. In fact, we'll even say things like, oh, that person died so young. They missed out on all of life. They were unable to spend all of that time. Listen, I hear you and I feel that, but can I give you just a little bit of thought? Look at what they missed out on. They missed out on a whole lot of trouble and a whole lot of anxiety and a whole lot of fear and a whole lot of corruption. They missed out on a whole lot so that they could spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Most of us care about just this little bit. We count our lives extremely, extremely dear. You ever ask yourself the question, why? Why do I count my life so dear? Here's why. Because we've lost the concept of what this life is for. This life doesn't end right here. Life doesn't end right here. 
it keeps going and going and going for all eternity. And what happens is we count our lives so very dear because we think this is it. This is it. We are so, so wrong. This life should not be lived in light of the red tape. It should be lived in light of the rope of eternity. Forever and ever and ever. The problem is we only get this amount of time to affect the rest of eternity. So when we say time is short, it really is. We get so caught up in living life for today. We get so caught up in the housing market. We get so caught up in the inflation rate. And we get so caught up in the state of the government and the state of the affairs in Europe and the state of the affairs in the Middle East. And we get caught up in our RRSPs and whether or not we're going to be late for the next appointment or not. Which, by the way, yours truly does every single day. I hate being late. And in the process of writing this message, I was getting late and later and later to an appointment. And guess what? I treated people unfairly. Got upset while driving. All I cared about was this. All I cared about was just a minute piece of this. So often, we can get distracted and forget, hey, we got all of eternity to live for. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Paul said, my life here on this earth is not dear to me. Why, Paul? Why was it not dear unto you? I want you to look at the next two words. He says this. None of these things moving, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that. He's getting ready to tell us why. He's getting ready to give us the point. Here is what he says. So that I might finish my course joy with joy full stop I don't count this dear so that I can finish my course with joy what that says to me that if we do count this life dear we're going to finish our course with great regret We're going to stand before an almighty God. And we're going to say, I wish I had given him more. We're going to stand before an almighty God. Look him square in the face and say, yeah, that RRSP, man, that I spent all of my time watching. Yeah, that was worth it, wasn't it? Listen, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't put money into an RRSP. That's not what I'm saying. Some of us can become so consumed, we forget about the fact that life is eternal. 
Listen, what we're saying here is not normal. It's not your everyday, run-of-the-mill person. Paul was different. Paul was a different animal altogether. Yeah, he was different. But can I encourage you? That's exactly what he's trying to teach us. Ephesian elders, I want you guys to be different. I want you to think of life as eternal, not just temporal. Hear me, if we want to be completely and utterly different, if we want to completely and utterly fulfill our purpose, by the way, with joy, when we enter eternity, and when we stand before the King of Kings, we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, then we are going to have to not count our life dear on this earth. Why? Because eternity, eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. Hear me, not only our eternity, but the eternity of hundreds, if not thousands of people around us. Eternity is at stake. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 19 to 21, the Bible says this, lay, up, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Everybody sitting here today at Bible Baptist Church, you are made for so much more than this little red piece of tape. You are made for an eternal purpose. Something that you could never possibly imagine the ramifications of. You were made for so much more. You were made for all eternity. The question is this. Will you live for it? Will you live for eternity or will you live for this temporal life? Fulfilling your desires of what you want here, right now, today. Or will you live for the eternal Paul says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I life, my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I just want to do nothing else but serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the exact way that he has called me to serve. And you know what? Eternal results happen. Listen, we have not specifically looked at all of the people that the Apostle Paul is responsible for leading to Jesus Christ. I would beg to say it's millions. If not billions by his writings. <laughs> Listen, one man who said, I don't care about my life. This life is just a passageway to the next. 
world is not my home, just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, will you live for eternity? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Father, as someone who daily lives for today, constantly catches himself, worried about the next thing and caring about what this world is going to give me, thank you for your word that draws me back to where I need to be and puts my focus and my perspective back to where it needs to be. Father, I'm sure that in my rush, in my hustle and bustle, I have missed countless eternal opportunities. And for that, this morning in front of these people and before you, I ask for forgiveness. Father, for the rest of us who desperately need to get our eyes off of the things of this earth and put them solely upon you, would you convict us this morning? For some who may be in this place who don't even know you as personal Savior yet, they don't even know what eternity is all about, Father, I pray that you convict them and challenge them as well. Father, in a very busy time of year, we remember this is not about the gift that we give but it's about the gift that we've already been given help us to think about eternity father we'll give you the praise and honor for it 